everyone wants to get more sleep, and there are a ton of different sleep hacks out there, noise machines, meditation, earplugs, which I do, but you can immediately transform your sleep with Bowl & Branch. We have Bowl & Branch sheets in our house. They're in white. They are so soft. In fact, we say all the time, but they really do get softer with every wash. And the sheets also come in a really pretty box, kind of wrapped up like a present just for you. They feel buttery and breathable to start. And again, as Motion and I always say, they get softer with every wash. Best of all, it feels a little bit luxurious every time you slip into bed. These best-selling sheets are also made with the finest 100% organic cotton. They are completely free from toxins, soft yet super breathable. There's a 30-night worry-free guarantee so you can wash them, style them, and sleep in them for an entire month. And if you don't really love them, you could send them back right away. And again, they're made without toxins. There's no synthetic pesticides, formaldehyde, and other harsh chemicals. So sleep better with the softest, most breathable bedding from Bowl & Branch. Get 15% off your order when you use the promo code MONEWS at bowlandbranch.com. That is Bowl & Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. That promo code MONEWS, M-O-N-E-W-S, for 15%, off your order. Hey everyone, it is Monday, July 25th. I'm Mosh Wanunu, and you're listening to the Mo News Podcast. I hope everyone was able to stay cool this weekend. Heat records were broken in the Northeast yesterday, as nearly a third of the country was under a heat warning. Before we get to the news, though, your first headline today is that based on your feedback, we're taking this show daily. Starting this morning, we'll be putting out a show every day, so make sure to subscribe to the podcast so it is downloaded and ready for you every morning. We have a lot to get to, though, including those temperatures and what's in store for the rest of the country this week in today's episode, so let's get to the headlines. It is a huge week ahead for the economy. We will get our first real indication this week if we're really in a recession. The World Health Organization declares monkeypox an emergency. We'll tell you what that means. New numbers are out on how bad this year ranks when it comes to airline delays and cancellations. We'll also take a look at the billionaire love triangle, care of Elon Musk, of course. And our Good Mood Monday today is brought to you by the one and only Big Poppy. Okay, let's start with the economy. This could be the busiest and most important week of the summer for the stock market and the economy writ large. In just a matter of the next few days, we'll hear from the following. First, the Federal Reserve and what they'll do in terms of interest rates. Second, GDP numbers for the second quarter, along with other reports. If that number is negative, aka if the U.S. economy has contracted, that will mean we are in a recession, according to some definitions. And we'll get a sense of how the biggest companies in America and around the world are doing nearly a third of the S&P 500 will report their earnings this week. Let's start with the Fed. They're expected to announce an increase in interest rates again on Wednesday at their latest meeting. They are expected to hike interest rates by another three quarters of a percentage point. This is their main tool to fight inflation. Remember, prices are too high, demand is high, and people have cash to spend. So the Fed wants to make it harder for people and companies to borrow money. Their goal cool down demand, make less money available, and bring prices down. But of course, this is a balancing act. They don't want to cool the economy down too much and trigger a recession. Think about it this way when you explain it to your friends. Inflation has ignited a fire on the U.S. economy, and higher interest rates are the fire extinguisher. The Federal Reserve is the firefighter and knows if it uses too much extinguisher, it could put out the entire economy, a.k.a. lead to a recession. 
While inflation is the largest force driving interest rates hikes, the Fed is also looking at other factors as they make their big decision on Wednesday. That includes the job market, overall economic growth, the stock market, and manufacturing activity. The next big headline, of course, is the GDP number, and this report will reveal whether the economy expanded or shrunk in the second quarter of the year. That would be from April 1st to June 30th. Economists' expectations range from ever so slight growth to slight shrinkage of the economy. Remember, the first quarter of the year did see the economy shrink. If the second quarter number also shows the economy shrunk, that, by technical definition, by some, is a recession, two straight quarters of negative growth. But others, including the White House, will say not so fast. This week's number is going to set off a debate that could take months to settle. Remember in the U.S., as we've told you on this podcast, there's a third-party nonpartisan group called the National Bureau of Economic Research. They officially declare whether we're in a recession or not, and it might take them months to consider and make that final determination. They're going to take into account, of course, growth, but also the job market, as well as consumer spending. Both continue to be strong, which puts the U.S. sort of in this bizarre economic situation right now, where we're seeing slowing of the economy and yet a red-hot job market. It's something I discussed in a recent episode of the Mo News podcast. You should check it out. The title was How to Make Money During a Recession. My guest, Nicole Lappin, and I went into depth on whether we're in recession, whether we're not in recession, but most importantly, how you, the consumer, should deal with the next few months. Meanwhile, over the weekend, the World Health Organization declared the monkeypox outbreak a public health emergency. The decision has been debated for weeks, sparking disagreement among members of the World Health Organization. We're going to get to that debate in a second, but first, the state of the outbreak. More than 16,000 monkeypox cases have now been detected across the globe in 75 countries and territories. Thus far, there have been five deaths, all in Africa. Here in the U.S., more than 2,800 cases have been confirmed in 44 states and D.C., according to the CDC. New York has reported the highest number in the U.S., a total of 900 cases, 93% of them here in New York City. A reminder that monkeypox generally is a mild illness, with the most common symptoms being fever, headache, fatigue, and muscle aches. Patients typically develop a rash and lesions that often spread across the body, similar to smallpox. While historically people have been infected by animals through a bite or scratch, the current outbreak is concerning health officials because most have been through human-to-human contact, through bodily fluids and people's lesions. Most cases so far have been seen in the gay community among men who have sex with men, though experts have emphasized anyone could be infected. Officials so far have seen at least eight cases in women, and the CDC reported late last week that two small children have tested positive. The belief there is that it was a case of household transmission. Experts believe that the sharing of towels, bedding, utensils could lead to transmission. So now to that decision to declare it a public emergency. Monkeypox is actually the seventh event that's been declared an emergency in the last 15 years. That includes H1N1, a couple Ebola outbreaks, Zika, and of course COVID. Last month, the panel of experts over at the WHO said that monkeypox did not qualify as a public health emergency because severity has been different around the world. But then they decided to revisit it over the weekend. There was a lot of debate. The panel was split. And what ended up happening was the director general of the World Health Organization overruled the group and decided to declare it an emergency. The issue was hotly contested. There were advocates in the LGBTQ plus community who pointed to the early days of HIV where gay men were stigmatized over its spread. They wanted the WHO to declare it early to get ahead of it. Then there were those who were against it, saying the outbreak has largely been unchanged since June, and they don't believe it merited an emergency declaration. Now it's up to individual countries. Here in the U.S., the Biden administration is going to have to decide whether it's a public health emergency as far as the U.S. is concerned. 
A reminder, there are vaccines, but supply is limited. Health experts have been criticizing the U.S. response for being behind the eight ball. Short supply is causing long lines at vaccination sites in California, Texas, and here in New York. The U.S. has ordered millions of doses of the vaccine, but the majority of them won't arrive for months into 2023. And while a smaller batch is expected to arrive in the coming weeks, they're still waiting for FDA authorization. We're going to stay on this story on the podcast. Out West, firefighters are battling the out-of-control Oak Fire just outside Yosemite Park. It exploded over the weekend into California's largest wildfire of the year. The blaze, which is about 75 miles north of Fresno, began Friday and remained 0% contained as of Sunday. The videos I've been posting show flames tearing through trees and thick dark clouds of smoke blanketing the sky, towering 25,000 feet in the air. More than 14,000 acres have burned and thousands of people have had to evacuate. I was watching a CNN interview this weekend with one man who said his parents' home burned down as a result of the fire. His parents, Jane and Wes Smith, lived in their Mariposa home for 37 years and only had time to escape with the clothes on their back. Jane loaded up their horses and escaped the quickly moving flames. The fire comes as the U.S. has been blanketed by an extreme heat wave with parts of California seeing 100 degree plus temperatures. The fire is being fueled by the ongoing drought and a relentless heat wave is yet another natural disaster scientists are linking to climate change. California has seen more than 2.5 million acres burned in 9,000 fires in the last year. I should note, eight of the 10 largest and most destructive fires in the state have burned in just the last five years. Slightly further north, in Idaho, Washington, and Oregon, you could see a repeat of last summer's record temperatures. Much of the area in those three states are under an excessive heat warning this week. Expect temperatures into the hundreds. And there's not much relief in sight. You might not see rain in the Pacific Northwest for another 7 to 10 days. Folks living on the East Coast will see a slight let-up after a record weekend of temperatures which broke records across the eastern seaboard. It's still going to be pretty warm, though, in the 80s and low 90s. Okay, now to our speed read roundup of some quick headlines happening around the world. Let's start in the White House, where President Biden continues to recover from COVID. His doctor said Sunday that he continues to experience mild symptoms, but they are improving. Dr. Kevin O'Connor wrote in a letter that the president's pulse, blood pressure, respiratory rate, and temperature all remain normal, and he doesn't have any shortness of breath. The doctors say that Biden's predominant symptom now is just a sore throat. The president has taken the antiviral drug Paxlovid for three days since his diagnosis back on Thursday and will continue the treatment. He's also taking Tylenol and using an inhaler a few times a day for his cough. The top U.S. military officer issued a warning this weekend that the Chinese military has become significantly more aggressive and dangerous over the past five years. China is a topic we've been discussing often in the newsletter and on this podcast. The comments over the weekend came from General Mark Milley, who's the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. He's been traveling Asia this week. Milley said the number of intercepts by Chinese aircraft and ships in the Pacific region by the U.S. and other partners has increased significantly. He's also worried about the number of unsafe interactions with Chinese military craft. The U.S. continues to be on high alert on whether China might invade the island of Taiwan. Our military officials have said Beijing wants to be ready to make a move on the island within five years. We remain Taiwan's chief ally and supplier of defense weapons, and U.S. law requires the government to treat all threats to the island as a matter of grave concern. Though under current U.S. policy, we're ambiguous as to whether the U.S. would actually intervene and defend Taiwan if it were attacked by China. At the same time, though, some outside analysts are critical whether China would actually make a move, military move on Taiwan, given the economic implications, especially having watched how the West reacted to Russia invading Ukraine. In Japan Monday, a U.S. Navy officer is set to report to prison to begin a three-year jail sentence. You might have heard of the case of Lieutenant Ridge Alconis. 
His family is pleading with the Biden administration and the U.S. Embassy in Tokyo to help. A Japanese court recently convicted the U.S. lieutenant of negligent driving that led to the death of two people. Alconis is accused of falling asleep while driving, though he says he was suffering from altitude sickness. In the accident, he ended up killing an 85-year-old woman and her 54-year-old son-in-law. A Japanese court considered Alconis' remorse for the incident and the fact that he actually agreed they raised money for this to pay the victims $1.6 million. But the court said those factors were outweighed by the gravity of what happened. In a statement released to Stars and Stripes, the military newspaper, the U.S. Navy called the Japanese court sentence of three years in prison disproportionate. All we've heard from the White House and the U.S. Embassy there so far is that they're monitoring the situation and disagree with the sentence. Here at home, we're getting a better sense of just how bad this summer's airline delays rank in history, according to a new report. The numbers reported by airlines and released this past week by a government agency also confirm what many of us have already experienced. 2022 has been a terrible year for air travel. Federal transportation officials say 88,161 flights were canceled just through May. That's the second most in the first five months of the year since 1988. It's topped only by 2020 when COVID started. And again, that's just through May. We have to wait until we see June and July numbers. While airlines are trying to point the fingers at other issues like air traffic control and weather, here are the numbers. According to the Transportation Department figures, air carriers were directly responsible for 41% of delays through May. Late arriving aircraft, another problem mostly attributable to, again, the airlines, accounted for an additional 37% of delays. The airlines may want to point to this, though. As far as cancellations are concerned, airlines were cited in 38% of cases, which, by the way, is the highest in nearly a decade. But when it comes to cancellations, the majority actually involved weather through May. They can blame weather. It was 55% of cases. Again, we'll wait until the June and July numbers come out later this summer. But it's unlikely that those numbers are going to get any better anytime soon. And this story that popped in the Wall Street Journal on Sunday is one of the most shared stories on my Instagram feed. Elon Musk allegedly had an extramarital affair with Nicole Shanahan, the wife of billionaire Google co-founder Sergey Brin. The report claims that Musk and Shanahan had a brief affair, which then led Brin, the Google co-founder, to file for divorce earlier this year. Brin, the eighth richest man in the world, and Musk, the richest man in the world, had a long-standing friendship until this incident. The affair allegedly took place in early December. Brin and Shanahan had been separated at the time, but were still living together. Two weeks after the incident, Brin filed for divorce, citing irreconcilable differences. As I noted, Brin and Musk have been friends for a very long time. In fact, Brin was reportedly among the first people to be given a Tesla vehicle when production got off the ground. And the Google co-founder reportedly gave Musk half a million dollars in 2008 to keep Tesla afloat during the financial crisis. And then there's this anecdote. After the divorce filing, Musk reportedly dropped to his knees and begged Brin for forgiveness. According to witnesses, Brin acknowledged the apology, but the two tech moguls are currently not speaking. All right, some entertainment news this weekend. Jordan Peele's UFO thriller, Nope, topped the North American charts in its first weekend in theaters, $44 million in ticket sales, according to Universal. Peele's movie, Nope, knocked Thor, Love and Thunder to second place this weekend. The Thor movie, starring Chris Hemsworth and Natalie Portman, added $22 million, though, bringing its global total to nearly $600 million in theaters. Both movies finished ahead of Minions, The Rise of Gru, which landed in third place this weekend. It did about $17.7 million in sales, and it's now in its fourth week in theaters. For those looking to get their entertainment at home this week, a reminder that it's Shark Week on Discovery, or on Discovery Plus for all of you streaming. <laughs> wow! Cooperstown! And our Good Mood Monday segment this week comes to you care of 
Boston Red Sox now Hall of Fame DH David Ortiz, aka Big Poppy, an iconic figure in two nations, Red Sox Nation and the Dominican Republic, Ortiz was formally inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, New York on Sunday. Big Poppy hit 541 home runs and helped the Red Sox win three World Series during his time with the team. His speech, which featured him switching between English and Spanish, which, as we know, is Big Poppy's thing, concluded with him highlighting the importance of supporting others. And if my story can remind you of anything, let it remind you that when you believe in someone, you can change their world. You can change their future, just like so many people who believe in me. To everyone that believe in me, from my family, to coaches, to teammates, to fans, no, I could not have done this without you. And before we go, you have another chance to win big this week. The Mega Millions jackpot is now up to $800 million after no one matched all six numbers on Friday night. The next drawing is tomorrow night, Tuesday night. The cash payout, $464 million, not too shabby. Thanks to all of you for listening to the now daily Mo News podcast. We'd love your feedback on how we're doing. On what we're covering, please email us podcast at mo.news. A reminder to also subscribe to our newsletter, the Mo News newsletter, over at monews.bulletin.com. And of course, follow me for the latest and greatest over on Instagram at Moshe at M-O-S-H-E-H. And don't forget to follow us and review us in the App Store, especially if you like what we're doing here on the podcast. I'll see you all back here tomorrow. Thank you.